Yes, Finnish football show back. Thanks for joining me, Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland, uh, Mark from FC Suomi, and Rich from Escape to Suomi. Hello. Hello. You're joining us this morning. We're recording this on Sunday, the 4th of June, uh, and it's the morning after, the afternoon after for some of us, yet another attack in London. So just our thoughts with friends and family back home in the UK and, uh, and especially in London. Uh, and also to the uh, emergency services that are, are hard at work over there keeping us safe. Pretty close to home for you again, Rich, but uh, good that you can still join us today. Yeah, I so say it's one of those things that uh, unfortunately seems to be becoming more common. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, this is the last one for a while. It's uh, not <laughs> never nice to wake up to this. Yeah, I think, I think we echo those. Uh, how about time for our first clunky gear change of the day? Then let's let's get back on let's get back on track with the the nonsense that is the Finnish football show. Uh, Rich, what shirt are you wearing today? Uh, this time I'm sporting the new PS Kemi home shirt from uh, Stano. It, very much a return to form after last year. Um, I had some good discussions with the club, and um, yeah, they very nicely sent me a shirt over with uh, my choice of ludicrous number on the back. But um, yeah, and it was uh, covered in sponsors as well, which is uh, always nice. But uh, yeah, this was one that we pointed out at the start of the season. So give, give us a whirl, I see the squad. I'll see if I can. Don't make Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Oh dear. <laughs> is that is that the that the year you were born, Rich? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm twenty again. I think uh, I think I turned twenty for the eighteenth time this year. So. I, I, I was thinking eighteen eighty-seven. <laughs> yes, well, so the grey hair is coming through on the video. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my daughter very kindly pointed out yesterday that I I have one or two white hairs in my beard before going home and telling her brother, Dad's got a grey beard. <laughs> I, feel, I feel your pain. Um, this episode, as normal, is going out live on on YouTube. So if, if anyone's joining us live, thank you for for being there. This is uh, FFS fifteen. We're going to get up to date with the Bakehouse Liga season. Some of the teams are now one third of the way through the season. So we'll look at how things are panning out for them so far. We'll uh, also talk about Finland's two upcoming internationals, uh, a World Cup qualifier against Ukraine and a friendly against Liechtenstein. And we thought we'd talk about some of the, the Finnish international players that are playing overseas and uh, maybe some that need a move. Yeah, so. The development squad's in. Oh, that looks, that looks like Lumi's joined us. Yeah, the, Hi, um, the morale booster is here. Uh, thought she'd make some contributions. Uh. Lumi's <laughs> becoming a regular feature on the uh, yeah, on the Finnish football. Got a, she's got a football, Adidas football top on today. So she has. Like she seems, seems to be dressed in Arsenal red and white, Rich. Well, you know, we've got to celebrate a rare triumph. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So everyone, anyone watching or, or listening, we want your, your input as normal. So live, live viewers can use the message box on the right-hand side of the screen. Podcast listeners can uh, use social media to get in touch with any, any feedback. Uh, there's also the Facebook uh, group, Finnish Football Show Facebook group. Uh, it's a, a closed group, but we're very inclusive. So if you want to join us, then find us on Facebook and uh, ask, and we'll let you in um, as long as you agree to play nicely and uh, not be too negative about whoever happens to be managing Asikor this week. 
Um, on, on Twitter, our handles are at FT Suomi, uh, at Escape to Suomi, and at Explore Finland. So, as normal, hold on a minute. What? Did I hear a noise there? I was just about to say no noisy biscuits, and it sounded like somebody was getting stuck into an apple or something. Huh? Maybe no. I'm maybe I'm hearing things. Maybe it's I my think, computer. I think you're hearing <laughs> my biscuits. Here. Okay, in that case, no noisy biscuits, Rich. No f bombs. <laughs> and let's start with some recent news. Uh, Mark, you you mentioned a story about Lucas Radetzky over there in Germany. What's been uh, What's been going on? Well, uh, well, so so Lucas had a great season. Um, uh, particularly if you look sort of year on year. So this time last year, he was keeping out, I can't remember who they played, but he was keeping Frankfurt in the league because of the Bundesliga relegation playoffs. So they, I think he managed to, they won 1-0 at home and drew 0-0 away and Luca had a bit of a stormer. This season, they climbed up to about third around Christmas and then sort of dropped off and ended up in, the, in mid-table. But he's widely regarded to be now one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga. People are talking about him going to places like Bayern Munich as cover for, for, for Manuel Neuer, and that there's a whole raft of top clubs interested in his signature, which is all absolutely brilliant news. But um, uh, last week, it was the German Cup final uh, where Frankfurt played Borussia Dortmund. And the day before the Cup final, uh, his dad slash agent hit the press uh, and the media saying, Luke is the backbone of the team. He's basically carrying everybody forward. He needs a new contract or a big move. And it's a, it's fine for an agent or dad or dad slash agent to, to kind of promote your, your, your player or your kid. And it's fine to kind of give him the morale boost. And in, in, in many ways, he's absolutely right. But the fact that it came before the German Cup final is a bit of a problem for negotiations because in the German Cup final... Uh, Rudetsky goes into it under just a little bit more pressure than he would have been under normally, and he makes a mistake that concedes the penalty that gives Dortmund the win in the final. So, Lucas had a great season. It ended in disappointment because of the cup final, but I think also unnecessarily he's been put under additional pressure and strain by a, an agent or a manager that is obviously looking out for his best interests, but just doesn't have that sort of timing or professional awareness. To, uh, to give some space. You know what I mean? Like, if he'd have made the comments even after the final, even after the mistake, it's still valid. But the fact that he makes it before, it puts the club and the player on opposite sides right before their biggest game of the season. And, it, you know, absolutely. And, and this, this making making a mistake and and being brilliant is something that he, he seems to do quite regularly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. He's, he's not, I don't, I wouldn't say he does quite regularly. He has a, he's got a clanger in him, it, but I mean, a lot, a lot of keepers do, but I, I think it's, I think that being a keeper is such a hard job, going to a cup final is such a hard thing, particularly as the underdogs like Frankfurt were, everybody in that dressing room needs to be on the same page inside fighting the same fight. And it's just not helpful to have an agent sort of throwing his oar in saying, you know, this could be his last game for the club. You know what I mean? At a time when nobody needs it. It's fine to do it after the fact. It's fine to do it a week or two weeks before. But I don't know. I thought I just thought the timing was really irksome. It really bugged me. And there was uh, another another um, Finnish footballer with a with a big game in the last week or so. 
uh, Walter Biedela had a had a playoff game. Yes, uh, they drew on Wednesday and tonight at seven o'clock. So for those watching live, uh, if you can find it, if you can find the stream, it's the Danish relegation playoff. V Borg play FC Horsens Helsing Helsgors something that I can't pronounce. Um, a win. Oh, a win takes them or keeps them in the league. Since Vital has joined uh, uh, Viborg, he's played, I think, some, no, it's now like 12 games and he's kept something in the region of, I think it's five clean sheets. And for Viborg, if you go back five more clean sheets before Vital, it goes back about a year and a half. <laughs> so he's come in and he's absolutely massively shored up the defense and he's stopped the leaks for, for goals. They're still not scoring enough, but he's got a huge game to keep his. To keep his side in the in the Danish top flight this evening at seven. Rich, in the last show we talked about um, the Sormen Cup. In fact, I think we talked about it in the last two or three shows as the yeah. as the competition made its way towards the end. And we we now know that the final uh, in October in Seinjoki will be uh, Asikor versus Horjikor, which after <laughs> after last Wednesday's results, it fills me with some trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the next Swarman Cup, this was something we talked about, was that the, the next season's Swarman Cup kicks off before the previous one actually has the, the final. Um, the, next, the, next, uh, the next Cup starts in uh, end of July. So uh, what's the current state of play there with the Swarman Cup? Um, well, I think I'll start by putting the caveat that obviously being English, we have a bit more love for a National Cup competition than, than most other countries in the world. Um, so looking at it from a slightly biased point of view, but um, the deadline for entrance into the next competition is on the 14th of June. Um, as of today, the 4th of June, there are five teams who have entered the competition. Who, who um, are those teams? Um, so you've got Rops, who won it in 2013. You've also got Kapo, Nisnan, Halku and Uletas from the lower reaches of the um, somewhat large pyramid. Um, in the last 10 years, the numbers have dropped. The number of participating teams has dropped by 75%. Uh, in 2008, 361 teams entered the Swarman Cup. Last season, 91 did. Um, now, obviously, this is part of, you know, there's, there's several reasons for this. It's declined every year in that period as well. Um, you know, it ranges from the costs, the travel, the the fact that, you know, the infrastructure isn't necessarily built to cope with that um, system of, you know, a lot of games will be played when players are on holiday. You know, most of them are amateurs. Um, there's, you know, having to hire facilities to play indoor games because most of them are in the early rounds. And the fact that now it isn't an open draw like it used to be, albeit slightly regionalised. Mm -hmm. Now you go through five or six rounds to get four teams who then enter the group stage with teams from the higher division. So, you know, essentially those, what was it, 60, 70 odd teams who entered the early rounds, the final for them was really getting through to that last four. Um, needless to say, the system was so bent that one team got eliminated, then got reinstated because they did quite well in their league structure and then went back in and got knocked out again. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, by the time the deadline is in a couple of weeks, there might be a reasonable number of teams. But 
you know, are we getting to a point where even a top division team might look at it and go, what's the point? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's hassle. You've got to sign players, you know, especially those who are on contracts early, get them in. It is, a, you know, essentially a pre-season tournament as well as they're concerned. Um, and even the, you know, four or five years ago, there was the, the carrot of a Europa League second qualifying round place. But that's gone. You know, the team gets through to the first round with everyone else. Um, mm. Invariably, the team that wins the cup will qualify through the league anyway. Um, whether that's the case this year with Foyko and Asiko, who knows? But um, <laughs> it's an early dig there. But um, it's it's just a shame that obviously looking at it from, you know, from our point of view where there is a massive tradition of cup football and looking at, you know, this cup changes format and it doesn't seem to be doing anything. And you know, how do you reinstate that love? And if you look at I mean, it, all the signs were there. I mean, if you look at like, so we talked about two or three shows ago about Maureen and who wasn't, I don't think, I think he managed one game. The, the one game that he managed for Heathkey yeah. in the cup was the game they were already knocked out because yeah. they missed the three previous ones. So, I mean, there, there's clearly a guy who's, who's, who's thinking, okay, we're in the cup this time because it's the cup. But the way he acts, which is understandable because they needed to do scouting, they needed to do preparations, he needed a break because, you know, he's what's he, 60, 60 odd now. And and Marlinen was the same. Marlinen wasn't there for, for the for the first couple of games at Rops. And you think, well, if it's if the if the cups start at a time when the, the managers and the coaches aren't there, or the scouting's not done, or the squad's not ready for the for the preseason, lower down the league, that means there's nobody on the it means there's three players on the on the squad list. Because when he gets it like Ukkonen and Kapkonen, it's literally a case of like, okay, who's who's still with us this year? So I think I mean it's just at the time of this one is it's, it's all kind of it's all kind of wrong. This is the like now in June, this is the sort of time where you'd hope to have midweek fixtures for for teams that have gotten gotten off the ground in the league, that have gotten their you know training ready, who've got their players ready, and who want to give it a go. But if you start if you start competing in sudden January or December, it's you know it's just a waste of time. There's no, all, all your proper, all your professional players need to, need to be taking a rest. All of your staff need to be fa- focused on building the squad or the facilities or the programs for the next season. So it's not like it's just a, it's just a stupid time to have the. It's the off season. <laughs> the off season for for players and staff doesn't mean nothing happens. It means they're just focused on pre- the preparation work for the next year. So it's it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so such a bad idea if the if the smaller teams were um, playing at the kind of in the second half of the season to qualify for the next season's, uh, you know, uh, final stages, if you like. So instead, and instead of it starting in January, if it started now, because we, we talked also that there's this huge gap between the semi-finals, which were what, four, five weeks ago? Of April. And, yeah. And was it that long? Was it, eight, eight? it was April. And, and the finals in October. So. SU Goal have gone through like four managers by then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, the blows just keep coming, don't they? And it's not gonna it's not gonna yeah. stop yet. But there uh, there was a, a good point that you know, I was chatting to someone on Twitter about it that um you know there's also the Regions Cup, which is you know, I'll say again with an English hat on it, similar to the uh, English Premier League Cup, whatever it's called now, the trophy, where the lower league teams compete. There's a albeit an odd European place at the end of it for it's basically for amateur teams and, you know, it still results in a cup. They're playing peers, they're playing, you know, and the structure seems to work a lot better. They're playing sort of at the moment, there's various competition uh, rounds going on. 
Um, and that seems, you know, geared for lower division amateur teams. There's a tangible prize at the end of it. And yeah, they're not going to play the big teams, but they still, there's a cup at the end, European place. And, you know, th there is a little bit more hype around it than there was five years ago, because as the Swarman Cup numbers go down, entrance into that go up. So it's, um, you know, it's almost like having two competitions that they're, they're virtually competing against each other rather than complementing. And also that this idea of, you know, starting, even if it started with some games in April, April, you know, having, having a game, one game a month from April through till the end of the year and, and building up with those knockout, knockout games and having the semi-final a few weeks before the final takes place. I, I don't know. It just seems to me that they, that way you're building up the excitement in the competition rather than, rather than tucking it away often inside these big barns in the middle of winter with a few hundred people that can get in there to watch if they, if they can be bothered. Mm. Mm. So that's, that's something that I think the, the competitions of other countries in UEFA and FIFA are generally encouraged to have a, a cup competition. And, you know, it's almost like Finland are letting it die, you know, before, but they, they've, they've tried changing it. It really hasn't worked uh, short of ripping it up and starting again. And even just having a, going back to a plain knockout. That's better than what it is now. Hmm. It's, it, it just seems to me like there's such a, there's like a really simple answer. And I don't know why we're trying really hard to, <laughs> to work around it, to have like multiple group stages and cups that start in January and all the rest of it. It, it was, Okay, it wasn't great, but it, it was fine the way it was. And I mean, and, it, and in fairness, you have to applaud people for trying. But if they, if, they, if they run with a cup that has, I don't know, between five and let's say they even make 15 teams, then they've got to just hold their hands up and say, look, it's not going to work in 2018. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll change it back. We, we tried. Yeah, we, we, yeah, stick your hands up and say, look, okay, we are right, yeah, we dropped a ball here. Let's, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back again. Because I mean, it, it's... Turn it off and on again. <laughs> turn, it, turn it off and on again. The FFS way. Pretty, pretty much the way we get this show started every time we start <laughs> recording. <laughs> um, Mark, what about uh, what final final little bit of news later later this week? We're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about the, the the national team games later this week, and Friday is Liechtenstein. Um, but the day before, there's a, a Finland Legends game. What's what's this all about? Yeah, so the, I mean, the Paulito have organised. It's five bucks a ticket in the. Uh, Five euros a ticket, I should say. Sorry, in the five uh, Telius honor of five G Stadium, is that what it's called now? Lord knows. In the five G Super Thunderdome. Yeah, the, in the five G Super Duper sp insert sponsor name here, Thunderdome. dot com Stadium. Uh, well, be just, just for those of us that aren't, I don't quite get it, what did it used to be called? What might we know it as? Uh, the Sonora Stadium, where Finale. or the Finnair Stadium, where where Hoyiko and Hifki play their home games. Yeah, the one okay. just down the road from the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, okay. So there's a there's a Legends game uh, between Finland and Estonia. Uh, so I think already signed up for for Finland. It's it's basically like your classic end of '90s to early 2000 uh, squad. So Jussi Askelainen's there, uh, Mikael Forsell, uh, Gary Lipmanen's there, Petri Pasanen's there. Um, you know, the, all of the kind of uh, usual hitters. Um, I, I think it's part of the that uh, Vero Swarmy 100 thing. 
they're good that they're doing this year. Hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, five years as a ticket isn't bad. Most of the players are in their late thirties, early forties, so it should be a decent intensity. Alexey Yeremenko, who's obviously still playing for uh, Spartax <laughs> here in the Finnish fifth division or fourth division, he's signed up as well. So it'll be a, it'll be a decent game, and um, with a, a bit of for those for those not quite ready to let go of of how close we came under Hodgson. There's <laughs> there's a uh, there's a reunion set up set up. Yeah. Okay, I think that just about wraps up wraps up the news with the there's talking of these. Oh, you got another you got another one. Of course I've, you have. I should have. I forgot to ask. <laughs> it's more it's more of a trivia question than a, than a sort of last minute news item. So what are Mozambique, Lithuania, Mauritania, Guinea-Bissau, El Salvador, Kazakhstan, Nicaragua, Madagascar? And Estonia all have in common. I got a feeling this might be might be linked to Rich's post during the week, and probably should have been covered in the news in itself. Are they are they all above Finland in the world rankings at the moment? They are all above Finland in the world rankings at the moment. We are down to one hundred and eight in the world, which is uh, which is what it is. There's not much That's we can good. do, and they're going to almost certainly drop next month as well. I think, so if they if they if they get if they beat um, if they beat Lithu uh, Lichtenstein, sorry, then we can go up a couple because of the like I know, we'll, we'll we'll the points total will go up, but we need a lot of results to go away. If we win yeah. both the games, we might get back into the top one hundred. Yeah, the the Lichtenstein game is virtually worthless for points, but a draw yeah. versus Ukraine is worth three times the points of a win against Lichtenstein. So that's that's true. It's yes. um. And and plus, it's that would be taken over from a couple of positive results four years ago, which yeah. no longer count. So it's even more important. But yeah, who knows? They'll we make need, up a new number. We absolutely need wins, though, because yeah. if if we don't get anything from those games, we're gonna we're gonna start sinking pretty pretty sharpest because back and well, the the, the tail end of Mixu and back is time. <sighs> <laughs> okay, let's 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 move on then before you get to slump down any further in your chair, Mark. Um, we we thought we'd talk about some of the the Finnish players playing overseas and and maybe how they how they're doing and and looking at which ones maybe need a move. Um, this is this is kind of the the subject of your site, the FC Suomi site. Mark is keeping an eye on these uh, Finns playing overseas. So uh, where do you want to start? Um, well, so I, I mean, I drew up a, a short list, and then it just kept sort of getting longer and longer and longer because there's a lot of players out there that that, that aren't um, that aren't getting the requisite minutes, or that have got the minutes but are, are sort of not really progressing anywhere. I mean, I think we know that, uh, or well, it's widely understood that that Mika Oyela will come back from from Germany, probably to a team in Finland, which is good because he was a young prospect, good winger. Uh, Tricky, pacey, um, got a lot of got a lot of power in his boots. Actually, he's a decent finisher. But he went to VFR Arlen, uh, and he's been there for about two or three years. I think his contract comes up, and he's going to come probably back to to Finland. Um, Thomas Lamb. When you look at Thomas Lamb and and Notts Forest, he started off on fire. He, he played regularly. Then they changed managers to the guy who used to run Rangers, and since he's come in, he's gone for a pretty physical 
4-4-2 approach, which means Lamb's not played, I think, in the last, I think he's played one or two times in the last couple of months. So Forrest survived, which is good, but he needs to have a look around because I think under, it's not Grayson, is it? Anyway, under the new guy, he's, it's not. He's, he's not this, Mark Warburton. Mark, is it? Mark Warburton, that's the guy. Thanks very much. So under Warburton, I don't think he's going to get a lot of games because Warburton likes defensive midfielders to be sort of Roy Keane-ish, sort of going through, not not handling the ball, but going through people. It's a bit of a detriment to Roy Keane. Well, his agent's uh, Mina Viola, so a move to Manchester United is almost certain for <laughs> millions and millions. It's on the cards. Um, yeah, him and Pogba. Hmm. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he'd, work, he'd work well with the Pog, I think. But um, but uh, the guy who absolutely, definitively, that in my opinion, needs a move uh, this year is is Berat Sadiq. If you can remember, you might remember two years ago that, that he was a uh, he was the guy given Miksu Bartholine loads of headaches because he was in Switzerland for FC Thun. He was scoring goals for fun. I think he finished two years ago. He finished the season in the Swiss league, sixteen goals. He played as a target man, uh, which was a which was good fit. He had, he had in addition to 16 goals, he had something like 10, 12 assists. He helped Thun get to third in the league, qualify for the Europa League, and he basically had his pick of clubs across Europe to or rather that sort of Europa League level to to go to. He was 28. He's finally sort of got himself settled and stable and scoring goals, and they picked Krulia Sovetov in the Russian league. And two years later, he's played all, all in all something like 11 games. It's not easy to 100% get it accurate because things stats on the Russian Cup are not always reliable. But he's played 11 games. He's not scored. He's not getting any game time. Sovetov are getting relegated. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's in desperate need of a, of a reboot to his career. He's only 30 now, but he's that absolute prime of his career, that sort of 28 to 30, when he should have been beasting defenders uh, in whatever league or in the Europa League. He's, he's 100% missed out on that, on that in the last two years. So he needs to, I mean, probably he'll, he'll be looking at coming back to either Sweden or on that, the Finnish league, the Veikos Liga. What do we think about Joel Bokimbalo? Well, we discussed this during the week and I think, um, you know, while he was the top was it goals per minute scorer in the whole in all the top five leagues this season. He had six goals, an average of about half an hour each goal, which mm. you know, if you look at it purely on the numbers, is incredible. It's better than Messi, Ronaldo, Suarez, all that lot. It's one um, part of that stat that's a bit worrying though, isn't it? Yes, uh, one star. <laughs> yeah. Um and um I mean it's it's a, he's had a bit of a run of bad luck. He has a couple of injuries. Um, Leverkusen did okay throughout the season, but they clearly struggled. Um, they had Chicharito playing up front initially, that was doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And he's almost developing this tag as an impact sub, which is quite hard to shake. Um, and, you know, to be honest, that it's looking more like in his case, I don't think a move is really the, the best thing for him. It's not. It's not a vital thing, you know. That it looks like they're going to get the former Dortmund coach in as their new manager, uh, Tuchel. And you know, if he gets 100% fit and gets a run of games, you know, then that's what he needs. It's not necessarily a transfer. Chicharito is is also on his way, so the peas the peas the peas leaving. Yeah, and um, and it's 
it's it's it's quite often overlooked as well that one of the six goals that he got was the was the last minute equalizer against Hamburg, the one that kept essentially ensured that uh, before the last day, Leverkusen wouldn't end up in the relegation fight. So there were there was a there was a, like it was very unlikely, but there was two or three different combinations of results that would have seen uh, Leverkusen drop down into that relegation playoff place. And the the game, the penultimate game of the German league. He bagged the the header that got the two two draw that kept the basically basically kept Leverkusen up and I mean Leverkusen going down would have been one of the biggest stories in Europe but um, but it, so when he's he's not he's come on when he's come on he scored goals he has he's got he's grabbed a couple of important ones as well who who else I can think of I can think of someone I'd like to see make a move you you go go <laughs> well. I think it, it may it may benefit both sides unless he unless he gets a better offer. But Rolpe Risky, who last year scored 17, 17 goals for Asico, almost or maybe just over one every every two games, or slightly better than one every two games, went to Paderborn in the German second division, scored one in ten games, and they just got relegated to the third. Um, so I think he went there hoping to put himself in the shop window. Uh, I'm not quite sure what shop window he might be in. I don't know if there's interest. I think I think his his loan spell ends at the end of end of June. Could that be, or maybe at the beginning of June? Um, mm. And let's see. It, it may, maybe he did enough in those ten games to to warrant interest elsewhere. Um, whether that will be elsewhere higher up than the German second division, I don't know. Um, but I know that his friends back in Sainioki could probably benefit from having him back out, back out on the pitch. Um, and we'll come, we'll come to that, I'm sure, a bit more when, the, uh, when we start talking about Weikhausliga. But um, that might just be the, the, the boost that both parties need. I think the, so the problem for Paderborn is so it was from the third league to, and now they've been relegated to the, to the regional league. And that's going to smash their finances like apart. They were already a club that was, I think, borrowing against money they didn't have because they were um i think it was only f- three years ago four years ago that they were in the bundesliga and they've dropped they've dropped like a stone since then uh he played he played risky Europa played well when he was there he played on the uh predominantly on the left wing uh as the as sort of part of a front three the goal that he got was uh, was a tap in but he, he had quick quick reactions he, he's made a couple of goals for for other people but i mean i don't know I don't buy into this. There's a, there's a sort of feeling in Finland that the German third tier, or even second tier, well, second tier maybe not, but the German third tier is is better than the than the Weikhausliga, and I don't, I, I just don't buy into that at all. There's been tons of players that have gone to the German third division that either or didn't, they either had to come back straight away or just didn't come back. You think about Tim Vaudrenen, he's been out there now, what four years, and uh, he's he's bounced through clubs. Uh, he was at Dresden. He was at Victoria Köln. He was at Hansa Rostock this year. Not getting. He gets games every now and again. Not too much. The level isn't that much different than the Weikhausliga, but German clubs have a huge reputation for developing German players. And I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't see. Uh, I, I don't see that there's anybody, for example, in the Bundesliga right now that used to play in the, in, in the third division of, of German football. So I, I don't get really the. The the thoughts behind it. So even if even if somebody somebody else from the the Kolmos Liga or the was it Zwei Dry Dry Liga comes in for him, I would I would suggest that he goes back to Esiko, 
tries to do something in the European qualifiers, help Essico get towards any any level of any decent level of European competition because in those games, in the playoff games, or if he gets to a group stage, touch wood, he'd be he'd be in a far bigger shop window uh, to make a name for himself. Anyone else, Rich? Anyone else you've got on your um, radar? Well, I um I've sent a mark before. We I kind of keep an eye on the ones based in England purely because mm-hmm. I'm here too. Um, but um, you look at, you know, say there isn't the the plethora of fins that there were certainly 15, 20 years ago, you know, throughout the, the higher divisions. And the, there wasn't a single minute played in the Premier League by Finn this year. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Championship, you've got, you had four goalkeepers on books of Championship clubs. Um, Jesse Joranen played zero minutes in the league. Ansi Yakala played zero minutes in the league. Nicky Mayenpa played one game for Brighton, who admittedly had a very good season. Jussi uh, Askelainen, 42 years young, played nine games in the league for Wigan, who got relegated. Um, he got released at the end of the season. Um, and so did his son, William, who was on the books at Bolton. So the two Jaskalainens are competing for uh, in the crowded goalkeeper market in uh, northwest England. Um, and it, it just goes to show that you know, yes, Finland have a reputation for producing good goalkeepers, but, you know, while teams still look at buying a second choice, third choice goalkeeper, and, you know, how we talked about Hrodecki earlier on, mm-hmm. you know, Bayern were apparently interested in ha- in having him as a number two. You know, what? it's difficult. And, you know, you want to, you know, if you get an offer from Brighton or Fulham, you know, big championship clubs and Brighton in the Premier League now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what do you do? Because, it's genuinely a step up in, in money and infrastructure and, you know, everything around the club. Um, and yet, yes, Joranen, who signed a new contract when he was just breaking into the first team, and I mean, this was three years ago under Felix McGaff, that's how long we're talking. He played yeah. five or six games in a row, got injured. He signed a contract with an extension option at the end, which obviously they exercised at the start of last season. He's out of contract now, and yet they're talking about signing him up again. Mm-hmm. you know, to play in League Cup games. I mean, he told me that he wanted to, you know, play regularly, championship level or, or similar abroad. But, you know, it must be, you know, people laugh at the easiest job in football is a third-choice goalkeeper. So you go to, a, <laughs> go to a World Cup, you know, that would be, it sounds like my idea of heaven. But, um, you know, it's it's difficult. <laughs> that, 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 might, that might explain your football career. <laughs> well, if Buffon can play, you know, I, I can still make it. But, um you know, you look at of all the Finns, and you know, obviously we're now spreading the net. The one with the most appearances in English leagues, or now last season, was Daniel O'Shaughnessy at Cheltenham. Yeah. And Cheltenham struggled. They were in the, I think, fourth or fifth bottom at the end of the season in League Two. Mm-hmm. He played twenty-seven games. Remember Glenn Kamara? We used to uh, yes. maybe, maybe not quite the next big thing. He started one game for Colchester, also in League Two. Uh, played a couple of games in the EFL Trophy, and um, I mean, we, you know, I, I laughed when he made his Arsenal debut. He looked like a a child. Um, but you know, there were talks that FC Twenty or some Dutch clubs were after him. Never happened, and he looks like he may well be another one of these who, you know, shone brightly for a very brief period. And you know, he's not going to make it at Arsenal. I don't think he ever was, but. Where's he going to go now? I mean, he was on the bench for a Finland game two two summers ago, I think it was. Mm. 
uh, along with O'Shaughnessy, actually. And um, it couldn't be any further away now. So um, it's difficult, you know, from, from you know an English point of view. Um, and again, it's it's that tough decision. You move somewhere for minutes and hope you, you get along or do you just wait it out? And, you know, the, the young Finns, you know, the uh, the latest one who moved abroad was Patrick Vitanen from FC Yaz, signed for Liverpool this week. I think he's uh, made a big thing of, of that announcement, like playing for Steven Gerrard's team that he's coaching. But, uh, you know, he was 15. He turned 16, actually, he turned 16 next week. And mm. already the hype around that is there's YouTube videos being retweeted from, like, you know, big accounts that follow Liverpool watching him playing for FC as reserves and look how great he is. He made this tackle, mm. you know, 15 year old could tackle anyone once. And, um, and this is what it is. You know, he's going to be on the books of Liverpool, probably get coached very well. And then in five, six years, who knows? It's, I mean, it's Nicky, Nicky Mayampar is the one that, that, that it's kind of crazy because when he, he was, he, he left Venlo, VVV Venlo, for uh, for Brighton. So, so the in the Dutch second tier, and the time that he left, he was basically on a par with Lucas Radetzky. So that was that's about that's three years. He's been roughly three years at Brighton, and he's I think all in all, I don't know if he's got ten games from from his entire stint there. Probably not. And you think, well, that's. Uh, look, look, Hrnetsky, a really good keeper and he's done really well. But, you know, my, I don't know. It, it, would Venlo have gotten promoted? Would he have, how much would he have grown or, or improved as a keeper playing in the Dutch second tier? Or what other options were available? I, d- I don't know. But but it's certainly not helped him. He, again, he's a player who's gone from being 26 to 29. So you're missing. This is like prime prime career time now to get to get minutes on the board and to get your experience levels up and, and a lot of the players that we're getting are, are, are missing it. Joran and now was he twenty four? Yeah. So the the days if he signs again for Fulham for what could potentially be one game when they stick out the stiffs in the League Cup, he's no longer a young keeper. No. You know what I mean? He, he's he's pro now. Like there's no he gets no benefit of the doubt or anything like that. And he, I don't know if he, I don't think he's got the minutes. So it's it's of course harsh if there's somebody who's willing to pay you. It's right there, but um, I don't know. If you look at the Finland squad for the games coming up, you know you've got Hudetsky's number one keeper, and then the number two and three are Joran and Yakala. Yeah. You know, so Hudetsky, yes, played very well in <coughs> Bundesliga. Behind him, if if he picks up an injury, mm. you know you've got. Good quality, but very, very rusty players as backup. Um, and against Liechtenstein, yeah, it'd be a nice run out for one of them. But you know, right. Ukraine, it's come on. No, but didn't he? Hang on, wasn't it? Was it the Norway game? It was the Norway game, wasn't it? Last year, when he when he, he hadn't played, he'd been he'd been out injured for ages and ages. He hadn't played for like a year, and then he he did he, he missed a kick or something like that. Yeah. For the for one of the Norwegian goals, and, it, and it, that's just the kind of thing that happens when you haven't got games. And you, Nicky Manpai did the same thing against Estonia a year ago when we, when they played in, in June. He hadn't played for yeah, again like for a year, and he got beaten at his near post by a, a ridiculous kind of cross. He just fumbled it in. So you make these kind of mistakes when um, when you're not getting games, and it's I mean, Ansi, I, I love Ansi Yarkola. You know what I mean? He's like 
He won cups in South Africa. You know, he won tr lifted trophies and the rest of it. So, ah, it's just a, it's just frustrating. They all, they all need him. As as Rich <laughs> mentioned, these upcoming <clears throat> internationals. Maybe we can just gently move on, move on to those. Are there um, any surprises for these for these upcoming games? Anything interesting caught your eye? Um, Walter Vital is not in there, which is a bit of a shame. Like I said, he's been doing well in Denmark. Maybe it's because he's got other sort of more pressing things to deal with in the uh, in, in the in his rele relegation fight. But it's good to see uh, Walter Morin back in. He's been playing well. He's been getting games in Belgium now, and he's done done pretty well. He's still not the quickest in the world, but he's a nice, big, strong fella. Mehmet Hatemai's call up to the national team is something that I've been waiting for for the best part of two years, so I'm pretty happy uh, for that. I think I, I'm really hopeful he gets, particularly against Liechtenstein, I really hope he gets some substantial minutes there to sort of show what he can do. Is because he, he going to be fit to play? I know he had a hand injury, he got, did he? he got, yeah, he got uh, he subbed off against in the smashing against Hoyeko. Mm. Uh, but I think it's it, with its it's his hand, so I I, I think they're going to just strap yeah. him up and, and throw. Him. I mean, yeah. yeah, he played he played yesterday with a with some okay. kind of protection on the. Yeah, so him and, and uh, Mosa Yagubi representing the Vegas Liga, that's really really good. They're both well earned call ups, and Rico Risky is back. So there's always a Finland never take too many Riskies. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert <laughs> dropped out. Rico's back, but he's been scoring goals in the in the Norwegian top flight for odds. So uh, we've got a couple of guys. So I mean, if you look at the the front line, Pukki's in goal form. Rieski's scoring goals. Cap is okay. He doesn't get a lot of minutes. He scores every now and again. Porgen Palo scores when he plays. There's there's and then Jensen. So there's there's a goal threat in the in the front line for for Hukia. So, yeah. yeah, there's um that young Finn. Is it Kimi Raikkonen? And... Scored a hat trick in the week um, in a charity match at Juventus. Um, they weren't the <laughs> most. Yeah, I mean, they weren't the most well taken goals, on. but uh, <laughs> you know, to score a hat trick <laughs> at Juventus, it's um, for anyone is a, is a good start. So, you know, he's he's, rena he's renowned for his pace. Yeah, good engine on him. <laughs> Quick off the starting block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I'm yeah, but I'm looking. I mean, it's 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 a decent squad. Bert by hate them. He's only named twenty two, which is what he likes to do. He always usually likes to leave a space open. Zachary Matila has got a big. He's got with a cruciate. He'll be out for a hell of a long time. And Mehmet Hatemai, uh, no, Bert by Sorry, is uh, he's out injured, and I think they're waiting on him on a couple of fitness tests to see if they can bring him back. But I would probably not do it because he's not played for like a month for for Kievo. Well, you mentioned. I just wanted to give a little shout out to somebody. It was from someone over in over in Denmark who asked me to. He he was telling me about Sakari Matila's uh, injury, and asked me if I could translate a sign that they were making, some small tifo that they were planning to show to him on the day. And of course, now that I want to find that name, I can't find it. But um, I know I, I asked him to send me a picture when they actually held the tifo up. Um, so if that was you that wrote to me and you're listening to this, sorry I can't find your message, but thanks for reaching out to me uh, through Explore Finland radio show. Good to good to hear from anyone that wants to get in touch outside of these uh, outside of these shows, or indeed make us a tifo. 
Mm. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. FFS. As long as they don't hold up something that says Wiltshire out, I would be very disappointed to follow in the, in the footsteps of Arsene Wenger. Or indeed, Sika Borstrom. Borstrom. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Um, any, no, any, yeah. <laughs> well, at least you spelt it right. Thank you, Rich. Yeah. For those that are listening, Rich just held up a sign saying Wiltshire out to the camera, which was very <laughs> kind. I, maybe I'll use that for the, uh, for the image of the, uh, <laughs> the, for the thumbnail for the, for the show. <laughs> yeah. What's the name? Um, so what do we, what do we feel for this? L Liechtenstein will be a, a slightly more experimental team and then the, the game at, uh, against Ukraine will be a bit more back to, back to fuller strength. Yeah, I mean, so Liechtenstein are going to—they're going to park the bus and try and us a point for or a draw against us is good news for them, and they get they get a lot of points off us for that. So, so they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. I think. I mean, I'm I'm I'm. This is probably the first time I've been optimistic, um, ever because I think I think the at the end of the at the end of the ever well in the last you know four years because at, at the end of the at the end of the Austria game. In the, the friendly that we had, I, I, you could see the way Jensen's in and moving, the way um, the way uh, Moshtag Yagubi had come in and done well. I, I, the fact that Temu's been scoring goals, the fact that your Pohan Bottle's got a point to prove and is scoring goals, I just uh, I'm really optimistic that we can get something because these are the kind of teams that you would hope to smash, and I think we've got the tools to smash them this time. These are one of the few teams that are below Finland in the world rankings. Well, I mean, so we're 108. I think there's 200. And yeah, they're about halfway, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, something like that. 200 and odd teams in, in total. So we're we're not like it's not that bad. But then, that, well, that's, on the BBC's World Football podcast, there was a feature on Liechtenstein this week, and uh, they, they sound confident. Do they? Do they? <laughs> oh, oh no. Are they are they in the midst of a like Liechtenstein revolution football? Revolution? Yeah. Well, they they had no professional league and seven teams and the same cup team has won the cup. I think nineteen years out of twenty. So, uh, you know, Baduz. Baduz, yeah, who's playing the Swiss league? But um, yeah, so um, they they sound confident and um, based on recent form, worth a bet. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> Way to, to build everyone up, Rich. I, I'll do my very best to get this show out before the uh, before the Liechtenstein game, and that searing, insightful preview should be uh, should be a must listen for everybody. Absolutely, I think. I think. Hey, the, the, the last thing to remember about those games is that the boats are open in Turku. The sun is out. Seven o'clock on a Wednesday night's a good time for a game. I'll be having some fun in down in Turku town. <laughs> Uh, and then the and then the follow up game is what on Sunday Sunday eleven Sunday yeah in Tampa yeah um, is that okay. an early game or a late game that's seven as well I think it's a it's an okay. early evening game that's not bad okay so how about we move on to the kind of final final subject of for today of the Vegas Liga so far um, this is going to cause me great pain um, but what about if we what about if we start with some positive stories from some of the other some of the other teams in the division? Um, and what about and, and this will pay me even more. But but VPS VPS uh, Vaza are flying high. Seem to be building on the on the, the the decent run that they had last year. The decent the decent finish they had to the mm. season last year and and qualifying for the for the European the Europa League. 
places, and they've uh, they've continued to build on on top of that. Yeah, I mean, they. It's funny because they opened their season with a, a thumping at Hoyiko as well, mm-hmm. um, and yet since then they've beaten Hoyiko at home. Um, they're up to second. Still have a negative goal difference as a result of that opening day defeat, um, and obviously the conceding 18 goals in 12 games is uh, not not what you'd expect from someone from a team who, you know, on paper anyway, look like Hoyko's closest rivals. But um, no, they've done well. I mean, they, they snuck into the Europa League at the, the last couple of games last season. So um, they've got that to look forward to in the new stadium. So, um, yeah, I mean, I say they uh, seem to be quite slow starters in, in the last couple of years. But uh, no, they've done well. They look confident. Um you know, got some key players back, and old Morrissey up front seems to be um, seems to be banging him in. He got a hat trick a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's one of their sort of players who just never seem to be fit, and they've got him fit. He, he's scoring goals. Um, yeah, I think it's um, nice to see them. They haven't been too involved in the upper reaches over the last couple of years. So, yeah, good, well done. Yeah, and Seba Strandvall as well is. I mean, hmm. yeah, he's he's. Back, getting back, getting back to form. He had, he, I think we, uh, when he came back last year, he didn't start that well, but, but sort of kind of grew into the season as it went on. And this year, he's kind of hit the road running. Yeah, least I think from... when you when you talk about about players scoring goals, then obviously Alfredo Morales, uh, Hoyiko definitely deserves to mention. He's uh, way way ahead of the uh, the goal scoring table at the moment with 10, 10 goals in eleven games. So far, which is pretty good wherever wherever you're playing. I think the next next best is uh, Alexi Kangaskolka at Mariaham. He's got six, and then there's a, a few players on five and more on four, and and so it goes down from there. So ten ten out of eleven games is quite is quite something. Well, it's not bad. He did have a dry spell of two games without a goal, but um, in the game on Wednesday <laughs> night, sorry to to go back to that, but you know he got um. <laughs> He got two, two goals and three assists in one game, you know, and, and I would say we, we touched on this before the season. Um, you know, Hoyko did a cracking bit of business with him. They had him on loan last season from the team in Medellin um, and they had the option to sign him for, I think it worked out about 500,000 euros, which, you know, for, is a lot of money. Thank I mean, you. for them, you know, but, um, you know, they're in the best place now is either they keep him and he will score goals and as we've seen already or you know come the summer transfer window if he keeps doing it what's to say that he won't move on somewhere else and they'll make certainly a lot more than half a mil so I guess obviously they prefer to keep him but um, you know it's um, it was a good bit of business he's one of those players that can make a difference in Europe you know mm. what I mean he's one of those that, he's one of those guys that will fit in and it, like if they get to like if they get anywhere near the Europa League group, group stage he's one of the guys who'll just fit in at that level and um, yeah, so good luck to him. But it's it, it, it's still early, so the gap's still pretty tight. But I mean, I, I watched the I was I was at the the whole Yiko Yiko game, and um, poof, <laughs> they just it was they they're going to take some stopping, some some serious stopping. Whole Yiko, they're they're an absolute machine when they get going. I think most of most of the the predictions at the start of the season were that they would be the team to beat, and that's mm. that's. Shows no no signs of stopping, and and yet you know after eleven games, no one's really running away with it yet. Even however good they've been so far, 
maybe they're coming into their stride and that will um that, that would that that lead will get bigger and bigger but you know they've they've drawn four games so they're not as invincible as maybe <laughs> as you made them look last Wednesday. Um, they struggle. They seem to struggle to break down sort of teams that will just, yeah. you know, Hifke and, and Lati. They they played for a point. They got a point. I mean, Hifke were wow, dreadful <laughs> everywhere other than in defence in that derby. They had absolutely no intention of going forward. I watched most of the game. I didn't remember them having a shot. Yeah. Um, and while you call tried, and you know, I think most teams would have struggled to get a goal. But um, you know, th- there is that potential there, and that's something for for them to work on. But um, you know, I suppose when they play three quarters of their games, when you know the pace, the power, some of the direct running up front, and a bit of you know intelligence from Yugubi and Tanaka, mm-hmm. that seems to be enough in most of their games to get them through. So you know, they just need to develop that plan B and C just. You know, especially coming into, you know, it's what, three and a half weeks now until the, the Europa League starts. So, um, you know, they, they need to get into that. That that rhythm. I think for me, though, maybe, I mean, maybe they have a chance. Maybe maybe they have, well, obviously they have more chance, but they have a good chance of, um, in the Europa League, of actually getting into those group stages and uh, and flying the flying the Finnish flag. Well, their seeding from their good run a couple of years ago is, obviously means that, Certainly in the first round, they should get a favourable tie um, after that. Who knows? Because, yeah. you know, it's mostly you know, the large Nordic teams, Eastern European teams. You know, the way the Europa League structured is most of them already come in at round one as well. Mm. So, um, you know, at least they're seeded in that round. But um, I think, you know, it'll be either them or Mariham purely by the fact that where they start in the competition means they have a good a decent chance of getting to the Europa League group stage anyway but uh, and they're, they're playing between now and then they're playing Rops away um Yiko at home and then Coops away so you know that's uh, before playing Mariaham at home but still a few games there to to really get into some maybe some form and some and some some yeah some form before going into the European games um Okay, how about the how about we deal with the the elephant in the room, which is the change or more more managerial turmoil at Asuko. Um It's been awful. You used the word dreadful already, Rich. That's been one of my favourite words this year. Um, it has it has been bad. I think I've I've kind of tried to be positive when we've been talking on on Facebook or whatever over the over the weeks and months and. There were spells. There were spells of really good football. And it just seemed from being that close up to the action, you know, behind the goal there, that there were occasions where if it just, you know, the, the football got me into a good position and it just didn't quite fall. There wasn't, there wasn't that kind of rub of the, rub of the green going the way of, of Asiko. And I don't know if that, that started to drain confidence. I, I know we have one or two regular posters on the Facebook page being negative from well, from the very beginning and has now annoyingly been proven right, I guess. Um, so well, yeah. <laughs> nothing I can say, <laughs> say about that really. Um, but after the after the Hoyiko game, uh, 
Sixton Bustrum was relieved of his duties um, at Asicor and replaced by Jose Manuel Roca, uh, Manuel, as he's as he's generally referred to. And at first, this seemed like a, a bit of a bolt out of the blue. Uh, this is a someone who is, is forty-one, played played football mostly in the Spanish lower lower leagues and then in the uh, Greek and Cyprus lower leagues um, and has managed in, in those same those same Greek and, and Cypriot lower leagues as well. Um, so it seemed at first quite quite strange. Where where is this where has this guy come from? Uh, to become manager of Asuko. Now what I've since heard is that he was on the on the radar anyway and was had been approached to come if you look at some of his tweets or some of the things he said in the press conference it, he said about uh, i've been approached to come here in some capacity um which seemed seemed strange to start with but apparently was was being lined up to come in as one of the assistant coaches potentially with some future succession into a more controlling role and that seems to have happened in the space of a week rather than the space of <laughs> a couple of years maybe um, and some, it was said to me on at the weekend or yesterday that, that it's kind of like light and day. The atmosphere around the club has changed almost overnight from what was, what was happening beforehand. Um, and that he's brought organization, discipline and enthusiasm to the, the club and to training, uh, the fact that he's brought those things to the club <laughs> implies to me that they may have been the things that were missing in the first place. I was just um, going to say, yeah, the, the first two of those things, weren't they? The, I mean, you didn't need to bring enthusiasm because it was there after Valakari. But so wasn't Sixton brought in because of discipline? You know, and like, wasn't, wasn't that why he was brought in? Well, that's what he said to me in the, in the, uh, the interview I did that went out as a separate podcast. Yeah. One thing... One thing that he said was about, you know, his organising of the team. And, and somebody else in the club sort of made the comment that the, the training plan that was, was much better organised once Sikul came to the team, came to the club. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's, some, if, if there's some, been some breakdown of in communication between management and the, the playing squad. Uh, I think that, that it's not just Bostrom that's left. There's just a couple of other people who have left the club as well this week. Um, and I think it was reported in one of the one of the papers. This this was this was told to me by somebody not directly connected to the club. But the the the, the coaching team weren't all to at the at the training sessions every day. So hopefully Manuel will come in and. <laughs> I get having the fact he's moved from Greece to to Sainioki means that he'll be in Sainioki. He's not going to be commuting from some other town or city, and perhaps that's what's that's what's needed is someone just to get much closer to the to the team. Um, and I I reached out to a couple of people today, and basically there's there's no it, it's early days. So he's I think had one one training session over Thursday or Friday. With the with the first team squad, very difficult to get get too much of a feel for somebody after after one training session. Um, but he he himself said that he he doesn't. This was in his press conference, and he was saying that 
he doesn't like this idea of always changing his way of playing to suit the opposing team. He wants to instill a way of playing throughout his team with some small tweaks to perhaps the tactics on a, on, for certain games, but that other teams need to develop to deal with Asiko rather than the rather than the other way around. And yeah, it was it was said to me that the, you know the, the the players will have to learn what he wants and how he wants to do things. Every every manager has his own way of defending and attacking and setting up their team, and that now they've got this um, international break to to sort of try and get get to grips with that and and learn what he wants and start to to put it into practice. So um, let's hope they're they're working they're working hard starting tomorrow to uh, to turn things around because it was it was the game yesterday against FC Inter it, it ended in a, a 3-0 defeat for Asicor but i think the first half an hour or so there was some decent football it wasn't quite connecting up front so there was some nice play down the wings um, the ball was getting into a position to be to be crossed or to for that final pass and that was where the the whole thing kind of broke down um, but it looked quite positive and then and, and and to be honest, if Inter had more than four or five shots yesterday, I'd be surprised. And yet they scored three goals. Uh, and when the first one went in, it was kind of against the run of play. And I I dropped an f bomb, and I was with, just with my daughter, and that it completely slipped out, and she looked at me very disapprovingly. But it was it was it was a bit of a surprise to go behind there, and I think maybe that it just hit the confidence and. The second half never really looked like happening, and as as the game wore on, I think I, I left the, I left with a couple of minutes to go, so that we could get our bikes Beat out of the bike rack and and away from away from all that. And by the time I got home, I learned it was three nil, not two nil. So I guess something something happened right at the end there that I that I missed. But um, when we so what we, when we talked about sixteen. Earlier on, like two or three shows ago, we, we mentioned that Essico had lost buying of his team. Like it had lost like forwards, like it, you know, it lost Oyal at the back. And you said, I think at the time, that Mboma was the guy who was going to come in. Is he? Is he done? Is he? And I mean, he scored. He scored a few goals uh, at the moment. The the highest scorer is Billy Irons with with four, and I think he got three of those in the first two games. Yeah. Um, and Bomber scored three, um, but. I don't. I don't think you can blame. You can just blame him. You can't. You can't blame it on that. On just that one person. Uh, he didn't play yesterday for what for whatever reason. Mm. Um, the I, I still. I, I still think that for the past two seasons, the changes in the playbook that have been made haven't worked. Like last last season, there were huge changes, and then. After half a season in the summer, a new defence was brought in. This year, a lot of players came in, and they came right at the start of the season. So, Bustram started not long before the start of the season, and a lot of new players arrived after he did. And he's had two months or so. It's not. It's not a lot of time to get to. You know, when you think of all the all the preseason time that there is from. You know, December through till through till end of March, to bring seven or eight players into the squad at the beginning of April and expect them to be just gel straight away to me is unrealistic. But I don't know. They're, 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 as with as with Simo, there must be more 
there must be stuff in the background that we don't that we don't know about that's that's meant things haven't worked it's funny though you just sort of think you know 18 months ago they won the title title um it's just hard to see you know where it's gone you know was it obviously a lot going behind the scenes as you say and you know massive changes the club seems to be growing and growing and every year up until last year was an improvement in league position so you know looking at how things have changed you know of course they need to consolidate they need to grow into the club the big club that they are but um it's very unlike a finnish team to be quite so trigger happy and give a manager 11 games yeah that's that's true hopefully now they've they've found someone oh clearly this is someone they wanted in the club anyway um, and there, there must be connections between the, the sort of management, the, the, the board management of the club and, you know, Spain, and Spain or whatever to, to have identified this guy. Um, hopefully that means he'll be given time and some stability and can grow a team. And I think it was no, uh, one, one thing, I think Elias Arde went out on loan previously and he's now back mm. and was... He came on on Saturday and got a and got a nice cheer. Um, I'm not. I mean, he came on late or in the middleway through the second half, and it was all over by then. And uh, I don't really think that very much was created for him. Um, but it was good to good to see him come back. Mm. Can we can we uh, change subject? <laughs> well, I mean, so I can... it's, a, it's a it's a it's a sort of small change. But so you mentioned before that like Hoyko haven't broke totally free or like gone totally clear at the top. If you look at the teams that you think could potentially keep pace with them for the rest of the, the season, we were all basically thinking, okay, Ilves, Esiko, Marianham, or the other three, because you look at VPS and they look good, but they don't have a great deal of depth. You look at Indertorko, they've got a, a lot of a lot of star power, but I guess they have that sort of management structure that's probably going to cost them a couple of points. There's a general red so, mist around that club, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, something's gonna, something will go, and then and then that'll be like five games with no wins. So the guys who can keep a sustained challenge are all like eight, nine, ten points behind Hoyiko after ten games or eleven games. So like, like in my opinion, so it's they have they, they haven't made a break from the from the league, but they've made a break definitely from the guys who I think could keep. I mean, Ilves are. They've lost five already. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So I can't I can't see anybody catching. But then if Coops win today against Maryham, they're only a point behind Oiko. So you know Coops. <laughs> at the start of the season, it's funny. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good. I just I love how much how much you're behind Coops. <laughs> yeah. I said at the start of the season I thought they'd do well. So uh, yeah. we we had an agreement. We had an agreement. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, one and, thing um, I noticed also, you know, and you're you're right. I mean, if you look at the, the middle of the table, it's Mariaham, Ilves, Asikor, six, seven, eight. They were the they were three, you know, in the top four at the end of last season. So, um, but I noticed that Ilves crowds they're they're averaging over three thousand for home games. Um, mm. Sainiyoki are way below. No, probably averaging two and a, two and a half, maybe two six, two seven for home games, and that's probably on the back of season tickets sold because it hasn't been, it doesn't felt that full. Um, I don't know if I 
if if last time I gave uh, gave some kind of shout out to the Hifki fans for coming with 60, 70 supporters and making a real racket for the whole game. It was really good fun. Um, but since then, I think um, I think I saw one person from Uvascular um, with a Yee Core scarf at the game. Um, <laughs> I think I think it was that game. Um, there were a couple of guys in the bar from uh, Rovaniemi um, who who came down um, and and were standing in the bar behind the Asigor goal, and I had a, a quick chat with them. Um, and there were maybe three Inter fans the other day, but there's not many Saniyoki people. I don't I don't think my my personal feeling is there's not many Saniyoki fans there either, and I'm sure partly it's because and you won't appreciate this, Rich, but it's really cold over here still. I mean, it, it, was, it was plus one on, on Friday. I think yesterday evening it was like plus five or six. It's June, for goodness sake. Um, it was snowing over half the country, June 1st. Half the country was covered yeah. in snow. Yeah, it's just madness. It's, so it's not really conducive to wanting to stand out in the, in the cold to watch a team that's, that's misfiring, not, not playing well. I think, if, you know, one... one the, the team playing well can get people more interested in going, but if it's like if you're not really that into it, then well, it's cold and they're and they're playing badly. Maybe we'll give it a miss this week. So it will be good to see the uh, Oma Asper Stadion a bit fuller than it than it has been. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe, funny maybe enough, we talking about uh, we're talking about attendances yesterday in Ukenen at the OPS Ola game, hundred and fifty-seven. In the second tier, um, obviously they lost to TPS, um, but yeah, 157 in the second division. It's <laughs> difficult. That being said, I, w- I went to see the I went to see Lossa Bartex when our Futura Porvo played in Helsinki, and there was a good couple of people. I mean, they were all basically looking to see how fit Lossa was, which I don't know. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> but is I mean, he fit enough for the Legends game, Mark? Uh, he was he was huffing and puffing. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> There's he hope had, for me. Uh... He had he had he had a couple of good touches. He was brilliant on the ball, but after about I think it was pretty much the second half. Like, I don't know if he'd had like <laughs> like a pint and a, a pack of fags at half time, but he came out the second half, second half, and he could barely move. He could barely move. Yeah, I have to I have to say that. Uh, a, a month or so ago, when Asikor played Yikor, there, but after about seventy-five minutes, some of their players had hands on hands on knees, um, and and it, and seemed to be finding it really really tough. Uh, maybe that's just making the the, the step up to Vakaus Liga, um, and of course Asikor managed to smash them one zeros, <laughs> which exactly yeah. Uh, it was nice to get a win, but it wasn't um, wasn't convincing against a team that were uh, also huffing and puffing. Um, we, I, we, we're over the hour, as always. We've now been talking for hundred uh, one hour and twelve minutes. So, anything else you want to add to the to the Vakeos Liga part? Um, I think uh, just looking at Ukenen again, you know, it's, there's already a gap starting to form at the top, and it's Honka and Kokola. Who are leading the way? The, um, the Honker, Honker 
slightly more structured than some of the clubs at that level. But, you know, you look at the start of the season, Yarrow, TPS, we're generally seen as more favoured. And Honker have come in and torn it up. They've got nine goals in the last two games. 17 points from seven games. And, you know, that was a third division promotion playoff a couple of years ago. And those two teams are looking at, you know, early days anyway, favourites to get up. Coca-Cola had a really good end to last season, didn't they? They were, oh, no, no, sorry. In the, it was in the Sormon Cup that they had a really, a really good run. So they clearly built on that. Didn't Honka get to the semis in the Sormon Cup this year? Yes, they did. They played Hoyko. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I think they'll be back. Someone else to add into this Bohemia mini league that gets everyone excited when there's more than two teams in the in the Baker. <laughs> okay, I think I think we that that just about wraps it up. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you're on the podcast, uh, if you're watching watching live, it seems there's a, a few people been watching us live. They've been silent silent viewers, but well, you're always good to have you there. Just a reminder of our three websites. So there's Mark's FC Saw Me with uh, regular reports on hooker yet players around the world. And most recent articles seem to be looking towards those upcoming internationals, Mark. Yep, there'll be a preview. Well, it'll be a review of the weekend because there's still a couple of guys in action. And then a preview for the Liechtenstein game uh, this week. Yeah. And uh, Escape to Saw Me, uh, the most recent article on there is uh, also by Mark. By Mark. Um, you seem to be everywhere. I, I might have to get you to write something for me as well, Mark. <laughs> what was it, Rich? That's what Mark had to say. Um, it was about Yeri yeah, Unan, um, actually. And, and we did talk. Um, uh, sort of Mark is saying he's going to contribute a couple more bits that perhaps more in keeping with my tone than his FC Saw Me. So. It was a lot more opinion based than, okay. than than some of his own stuff, but um, something I've been honestly work, working on is putting it a bit mildly. But um, helping out with is a site and football.net. There's a lot of old archive stuff, um, so basically, some chats from the R Treble SF that compile all the facts and figures of basically putting together a full encyclopedia of all. Sort of national for, uh, team results, league results, going down to the seventh division of all the regional leagues, and um, quite you know it might come in handy for a pub quiz or something. But um, this this chap Rick has done ninety nine point nine percent of the work, and I've just I've just helped that a little bit. But um, um, that's live, live, and um, and um, yeah, get involved. Where is it? Where is it live, Rick? It's at www.finlandfootball.net. Yeah. Okay. I have. I have seen. I have seen that. Uh, Finland football dot net. Net. Okay. <laughs> it's important. It's important stuff. Yeah. I've seen the guys on on Facebook there as well. There's been some interesting bits and pieces. Very professional. <laughs> Always remember to silence your phone. I'll I'll end there by just saying that. Um, I've recently been asked to contribute to a, a new blog, uh, actually for the visit saneyoki.fi slash en for English. So I'm going to be writing a monthly blog about life in Finland based on the kind of the Explore, to Finland, Explore Finland radio show that I, I recorded and talking about life in Finland and pointing out a few bits and pieces for people to do in Saneyoki. So Rich, when you're over in Finland this summer, if you find your way up here, do your homework first, find something oh. interesting 
do on visit sanioki.fi and uh, looking for some lower league football to break up the visit to the far and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find plenty around here. Um, remember, subscribe to the YouTube channel, search for my name, Mark Wiltshire, or search for Finnish Football Show. Uh, we'll get this podcast out in a, in a few days. And uh, until Finnish Football Show 16, thanks very much. Good to hear from you all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.